Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hey, welcome to a Friday afternoon edition of The Garden hey, Report. Josue Pavone dropping in. Uh, and got a lot on the table today if, as people start filing in here. We've got uh, Damian Lloyd talking about destinations, even though he hasn't demanded trade yet. <laughs> you do one podcast, Bobby. That's all it takes. Jeez. Yeah, he's always talking about something. And so this latest nugget, and I know he's done a he did a podcast, right, that you saw where I forget what podcast it was exactly, but they're asking him about where he'd go if he got traded. And uh, his primary spots were obviously Miami and the Brooklyn Nets uh, to team up with Mikhail Bridges, which is interesting, probably exciting for them. Uh, no mention of the Celtics, though, until he went on Dan Patrick, or Chris Haynes, rather, uh, who's very connected. Well, Chris with, Haynes went on Dan Patrick, that's right. Yeah. Very connected with Damian Lillard, went on there, and Patrick pitched the Celtics. I don't have the sound, but effectively uh, said, you know, Celtics, they, they might be making some moves. They're close to the finals. Yeah, could he end up there? And Haynes started laughing his ass off and was like, it's not going to be Boston. <laughs> Sounded almost certain that Lillard, who, you know, by all accounts here, Fisher and some other reports, that if he wants to move, they'll get him where he wants to go in the East. And it's starting to sound like with all these podcasts, and he's on Instagram Live yesterday and a bunch of nuggets here, that Lillard might be on the move this offseason. Maybe this is more pressure for them to get that number three pick moved to start to improve this roster around him because it was another disastrous season for them last year. Or I'll be moving on. So, Aaron, do you see him on the move? You know, it's interesting because I, I feel like you're seeing pressure from both sides, right? I mean, I, I don't know if Lillard deliberately did this podcast to send a type of message. That's not what I mean, right? I, I just mean like he's been sort of open with his thought process, right? I mean, first it was the tweet to the to the fan base telling them look if you guys really want this to happen you know write up a, a petition to get me traded and i'll waive the no trade clause i think that was his way of kind of expressing his frustration that look I, i'm tired of this whole you know let's just start over and i can go chase a championship elsewhere like i want to make it happen here but at the same time i want to apply that pressure to the organization to, to see what they can come up with during the offseason so i think that's what we're seeing right now i feel like you know, for obvious reasons, he's he's looking at the he's from the outside looking in, right? Saying like, man, I didn't even 
we didn't even make the playoffs. Like, how far are we from contending? And no, I don't want to give up. But if I have to send that type of message to get things done to 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 push the ball here, then I will. So it's going to be interesting to see which which side you know gets what they want because Portland has to do something here. I mean, it, it's not getting any better, right? I mean, you look at the Western Conference, you see how competitive it is, and, and you're trying to figure out where you know how they can bring in. Uh, an all-star or someone of that caliber to work with, you know, Damian Lillard. Look, if I'm the Portland Trailblazers, I'm I'm hoping a situation like Boston goes sour between Jalen Brown and the organization, right? I'm looking at any all-star, any all-NBA players that I can somehow, you know, attract, whether that's through, you know, being disgruntled, looking for a new situation, or the biggest, you know, selling point that they have, you know, teaming up with Damian Lillard. So we'll yeah, see what that's, happens. that's an ancillary reason, I think, that, Lillard would approach it this way and rule out the Celtics because, of course, if he shows interest in the Celtics, the Celtics going to be sitting there saying, all right, why would we make a deal with Portland to improve them when if he wants out, he could come here? And that's the uh, thing, too. I don't think he wants out. Like, I really don't think – I think even if Boston is whatever, number 10 or whatever on his list, I still think Portland is number one and it's a high number one, right? Yeah. I mean, if it comes down to it, I'm sure he'll be willing to, you know, move on. But right now, it's it's still at the top of his list. And I just think this season is that make or break season, which, you know, for most people, it felt like it should have been this year or the year before. But, you know, just from the from what we're seeing from Damian Lillard and his behavior lately, I feel like it's this one. This is the summer where they, they got to do something. Yeah, and they want to build around him. It's clear. If he wanted out, he could be gone today. I don't think he has to dance around that. I, maybe there is some pause on the Portland side. I do wish we had our guy, uh, Sean Hyken here, who's pretty well connected over there on that side about what their interest is here because I doubt they want to move on from a guy like Shaden Sharp who showed enormous promise last year. Um, Jeremy Grant's a free agent. I don't know what they're going to do there. Even yeah. Anthony Simons, who I think you know KOC put out there today, they're finally starting to float him a little bit. But they really like him, too. And this is what we kicked around the other day, Josue, with the Jalen Brown stuff is, yeah, if you're a Celtics fan, you can sit here and say, all right, we can get this, this, and that. But you wonder how these other teams actually feel about it. And the biggest or most realistic trade I think we kicked around uh, earlier this week was some combination of Simons, the number three pick, and an additional salary. Maybe it's necessary or little. Maybe it's a bigger trade with Jeremy Grant mixed in there somehow that's the kind of trade that I think would actually get the Celtics a little interested in moving off Brown and would put a star next to Lillard. Now I, I wonder, is, is that enough for Lillard? Is it enough for the Blazers landing a guy like Jalen Brown? Does that, that actually put them in the mix out West to make it worth giving up on the number three pick to make it worth moving on from some of the other depths on the roster there, unless they're getting another guy like Malcolm Brogdon there. <clears throat> this is a tough call both ways, but I look around the league, and I think it's going to be tough for the Blazers to find another guy to put next to Lillard aside from Brown. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They wouldn't be done, right? That's not a championship team. It's a playoff team. I like the chance to make the playoffs, but I don't think you put them in the top, you know, upper echelon of the Western Conference. I mean, you're still a piece away, but it's better than what they have now. I'll tell you that much. And I think it would excite, obviously, Damian Lillard and Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown would um, – I think you, you probably get the best of Jalen just off the – fact that the Celtics traded him and they, they made that type of deal without giving him his max money. Now, I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to uh, sulk for long, right? I think once he puts that, you know, Blazers uniform on, it's on. And having that that, that type of uh, 
talent next to Damian Lillard, I think, uh, again, yeah, that's a playoff team for sure, but they're not a championship caliber team, right? If anything, you just, you, you probably bought another two years for, for Lillard to, you know, be somewhat pleased, but you have to make up the rest of that roster. And, you know, that's, that's a whole nother hurdle. But if you're Portland, you, you want to just get to that point. And um, you also don't want to give up too much, right? Because you want to have uh, at least a piece or two that can that can really complement those guys. Yeah, I think they would want to keep Grant in that case. Yeah, I think have Brown, yeah. You have Brown, Grant, Sharp, Lillard, and Nerkic, along with whatever bench they would have put around that group, which is getting somewhere. I mean, if Brown continues this trajectory and it's Lillard and Brown, you know, wing type more than a Simons next to him, you're talking about a team that's probably a little better defensively, and that's been their problem in recent years. Uh, and then... You know, there's a lot of competition in the West. It's going to be tricky there. From the Celtics' perspective, I, I still don't know where they stand on this Brown thing. I don't think we've received any indication that they're going to give this full Supermax yet uh, because if they did that, I think he's, he's, he's staying. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that he's staying at that point. If they come in a little bit lower, and the name I compared him to in the Celtics blog piece I have coming out is Rudy Gobert who did get this enormous contract because he was super max eligible winning the defensive player of the year there in Utah, but they only gave him 31% of the cap rather than the 35% that Brown's coming in at. So if they offered him something like that, would he accept? Would there be some pause? Would he threaten free agency? That's interesting stuff we're going to see over the next month here. Uh, But it's just been weirdly silent on that front. And I do wonder, obviously you'd, if you're moving Brown, I think you ideally want to see a guy like Lillard come back. So you're saying star for star, we may be even upgrading here. Same as Kevin Durant last summer. As much as John and even Jimmy are intrigued by the Simons deal, Joe Swain, I've even been moved by it a little bit. I do think there's a scenario here where you end up much worse if Simons is inconsistent or struggles defensively. If the pick busts, certainly, and you have no clue who's going to be there at number three. Right now, it seems like Scoot could drop to that, but the Hornets take Scoot number three. You're taking Brandon Miller, who's you know going to be a wing who's worse than Brown immediately. It's risky stuff, so I understand why the Celtics, at least from Brad Stevens' perspective, are looking at it and saying, we want Jalen here. Okay, we want to tell you a little bit about FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What do I like about FanDuel? Let me tell you. The app is incredible, super easy to use, very intuitive. It's safe, secure, and you get paid instantly when you win. There is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Once again, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now you must be 21 or older and present in Massachusetts to participate. A $10 initial deposit is required. Your first online bet must be a real money wager. The bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets when you get a refund on your $1,000 no-sweat first bet. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. 
Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, because that's the that's the best move for the short term, right? I, I mean, people can say what they want. They can make you know what it is. hypothetical right. trades. But realistically, I mean, that's the best option. I, I don't see them upgrading off of Jalen Brown unless something like that happens where there's a Damian Lillard or even a – yeah, I mean, I really don't even see it. You know, one name I, I, I tossed around who I, who I thought about just because of what, what the team is going through and the organization is looking to, to shake things up, I mean – they're, for, according to reports, they're trying really hard to trade Zach Levine, right, Chicago Bulls. And it's interesting because, you know, balls hurt. They don't have a whole lot of flexibility financially. So you're, you're, wondering, you're, you're wondering who's going to who, – who would take that trade and what they get in return. But look at someone like DeMar DeRozan who, if you were to trade him, you give you, – you, you grant his, his bird rights. You can re-sign him. You can go over the salary cap. You know, it, it won't hurt you as much. And he's not a max guy, right? You're not going to pay the same type of dollars. And you look at another situation like, you know, a player like Damian Lillard, where you're like, okay, both of these guys are, you know, a bit older, a little seasoned, right? They still have plenty left, but you wonder how much of, of that is left. And I think out of those, out of everyone else, out of other potential, you know, trading partners and candidates out there, I think those are the only two where you can somewhat get that same value that you're giving up in Jalen Brown. But the other end of that is, you know, how do you supplement the rest of the roster and how that player is going to look in the next two years? So, I mean, overall, I just think in the sh- for, the, for the short term, if you're keeping this core together, the Celtics are better off keeping Jalen, but it's just going to get really hard when it comes to adding talent around Tatum and Brown. And, and you know, just the life with two super max guys is, is something that we've never seen before. So I think that's the scary part too, right? Yeah, the implications of that ultimately will be uh, once I think it's Brogdon, White, and Horford coming up after 2025 will be tough to keep those guys. Unfortunately, Rob and uh, Smart, I think two of your key younger guys are, are signed through 2026. So, you know, everyone always kicks around trading Smart. I don't think it's happening just because he's on such a great contract through 2026. He's a guy that you can keep next to Brown and Tatum and great point guard. I still look at him as that, even if he's not your ideal point guard, still does a good job there defensively and all the rest. Uh, but all of those guys, all the depth you talk about, if you sign Brown for $50 million a year, they're effectively heading out the window. Uh, Grant certainly is here if he gets any significant offer this offseason. Then you're looking at Brogdon, who a lot of people are starting to talk about trade, trading Brogdon, Josue. I don't yeah. see it. I think it's a contract thing, though, more than anything, Bobby. Not that like, he's making way too much money, but just if you're gonna bring in a, a top tier guy, Brown. you got to use that. You got to use that 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 contract. Well, this is the same people that don't want to see Jalen get traded either. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm one of those guys right now. I, I just don't know who he is in the postseason. You know, I, I feel tricked. I feel like we should have saw this thing coming uh, just because of who he's been in the past, and you know, we gave him the benefit of the doubt, obviously, because of what he showed throughout the regular season, but. I mean, look, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world they kept him, but if you're trying to add pieces here, add some, some you know, uh, guys who aren't that expensive, but you're going to get more of a, you know, diamond in the rough guys, right? <laughs> you can go out and get a couple, a couple of those along with someone that you, you who, who solidified and, and could come off the bench or be a rotation guy, you know? So I, I just think that's just the Celtics. I think they would do, they would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't see what his value is out there, you know? Yeah, we kicked around 
Paul, Chris Paul yesterday or whenever we record at this point. Uh, interesting nugget from Fisher today. Yeah, his background is pretty white. No, I'm not in heaven. <laughs> interesting nugget from uh, Jake Fisher today, who I love, who I hope we'll have on soon enough before the draft. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, the former first-round pick who fell out of Boston's rotation, has several supporters in Phoenix's front office, sources said, and is expected to feature prominently in the NBA's general trade landscape this summer when Pritchard becomes extension eligible. Do you see Pritchard as a guy who's going to capture a lot of attention this summer? I don't know what you'd get from Phoenix. Maybe he's part of a bigger deal for Paul, although Paul is coming in at $30 million next year. As I said on that show, I don't love the Paul idea. Yeah, I'm only there's a lot of butts in that. And, you know, even though I am one of those guys who wouldn't mind seeing him in Southern's uniform, it, it's got to be the veterans minimum. It's got to yeah. be, you know, his choice. Right. For that to even happen. So I, I don't like the idea of something's trading for him or uh, keeping him on the books for you know X amount of years. No, that, that's the only way I would like to see that. See that happen. Are you an Aiton guy at all? No, I'm really not. Uh, just because millions a lot for a center. Yeah. I mean, I, I know. There aren't a whole lot of high-level centers out there, but he's just not a guy who I feel like would, would fit in with this team. And I don't know. He's a bit of a question mark, especially uh, when, you, when, you think, when you hear the reports and stuff that he's, he's gone through with the organization. Could they get the rant? <laughs> Should we do that again? Oh, no, that ship is sailed. The Suns are doing a great job getting the offseason moving early here. And the latest on the Paul front is that they are going to try to trade him. Uh, before potentially waiving him here, they could also keep him at about $17 million if they keep him on the minimum uh, after waiving him. So we will see what happens there. In Celtics news, though, oh, too early for that, uh, Grant Williams, left-hand surgery. Seems like a minor procedure here. I'm surprised we didn't hear about the right elbow that seemed to be bothering him back in February and let, played a part in that shooting slump he went through through the middle of the season. Instead, it's the left hand here. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that he'll be ready to go in time for training camp. But uh, the first Celtic surgery that we're hearing about this summer, I imagine we'll hear about some more in due time. But this one was a little surprising. Yeah, no, it was, especially the fact that he had to go under the knife. I mean, I don't think anyone anticipated that. Um, does that help the Celtics' chances of retaining him? I mean, hopefully. Like, what do you? What, how do you feel about that? But I know you're a big Grant guy this season, and – um, if, if they're able to match any offer out there that isn't too far out of their you know range of 10 to 12 million or so, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? Yeah, I think you need to bring them back below 13 if you want to stay below that new tax apron that they created right. this year. Uh, so I could see it happening. One of the teams I look at that's interesting to me, uh, you know, certainly the Rockets, they have a ton of money to spend, as much as 60 million in cap room. A lot of that will go to James Harden if he signs there. Uh, you have some other teams like the Magic, mostly bad teams, the Spurs, that have money this summer. But one team that people forget about, you know, I look back January 11th, the Pacers were the sixth seed in the East the day Halliburton went down and only played mm -hmm. sparingly the rest of the way. And for a lot of the year, their power forward was Aaron Neesmith. And they, you know, Fisher reported that they were looking for power forward help at the deadline. Uh, they have, I think, 29-ish million to spend this summer give or take 27 million at least they could probably give grant like 15 million or so a year and i think that's probably too much for the celtics to match at that point like i think 13 is going to be the absolute max but it's going to be more like 10 to 12 million which is what they were offering him originally right According right to those early reports 
I've also seen some people throw around, oh, maybe you could sign him for bigger money for two years before you go over that Zach's line. I think Grant's probably going to want the most money possible rather than trying to go back to free agency again in the short term and try to sign another deal after that, plus stability and all that. So I think he'll ultimately be looking for that three, four year deal here. And, you know, if a team like the Pacers makes a push here, I still say, especially given the fact that Joe Missoula didn't like playing him, he'll probably be gone here, I think. Like, you don't want to pay a lot of money, especially long-term for a guy who's only going to play sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you wonder if if anything from the Eastern Conference Finals changed his mind in that regard, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the, the fact that he was in the doghouse was sort of like, okay, well, at some point, you, you got to use him in this series. And it was game two, right? And he pretty much played 25-plus minutes the rest of the way, except for game seven. But um, and I think that helps in his favor, right? In his case, especially for Joe Mazzulla to 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 pretty much show everyone that he made a mistake. I mean, that was a mistake to go into the Eastern Conference Finals not playing him, and it wasn't like he forgot to play him in Game One, right? No, he went in intentionally um, without the mindset of playing him. So I, I think that helps his case for sure. But I mean, Grant's in a situation where I, I also feel like if you sign him for on a team-friendly deal, you also have that flexibility to trade him down the road, right? Whether it's a three, four-year deal, maybe two years into it or so, maybe that's a, a piece you you have, you have sign with that in mind. Not to say like, okay, we'll sign you for to, you know, to, trade, you asset, couple, yeah. to trade you a couple of years, but it's an asset, right? And that's something that the Celtics need in a big way, man. Like that's all a big those, thing. We talked all about future first round picks and all those, you know, the, the, the guys like, you know, making 10, 12 million, they don't have those guys anymore, right? I mean, a lot of, the, a lot of that, uh, a lot of those pieces is what led to, um, what, what we're seeing now, the, the core and its foundation. Yeah, and we talked about this when Hayward left. You can't replace that money. And they did a pretty good job with the TPE. Like, if I want to track it back, like, they turned that TPE into Fournier, who was, a tr- who was an attempt, uh, and then Richardson, who becomes Derek White, yep, alongside yep. Romeo Langford. And then the last little bit there, I think, went to Mike Mascala, and he's, he's another guy. Yeah. They're going to have to make a decision on this summer. Yeah, didn't work out, but, you know, it was worth the try. You think they'll bring him back? Three and a half million? I mean, with the problems that they have in the front court, they should. But it's not something that I would uh, say is promising. I saw B-Rob. I read B-Rob. be a big piece this year or next year. I read B-Rob say that they might decline the three and a half million and try to get him to take two or whatever the minimum is. (laughs) That would be such a weird way to save money. But I guess with where they're at, I could see it happening. And he didn't play in the playoffs, so – I don't think he has much leverage at all to ask for any real money. Uh, Gallinari will be back as well at about $6 million-ish. So that's another guy that I think came here in the first place to probably compete with Grant a little bit ahead of his free agency. So uh, you could try that again uh, if you don't end up moving his money. But they have a lot of trade flexibility here too. You know what I was thinking about when I was looking at the Pacers? And I know this isn't going to get anyone excited, but it's you know feasible here. You know who you can if you were trading Grant to the Pacers, you know, a Smith. signing trade here. Yeah, Smith, but no. you take back Tice. Oh yeah, I guess so. You know, nine million. I just got so amped about Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a fan of that guy. Just a, a you solid, can take back both almost. I think solid, I uh, big off the bench. Yeah, I mean that would be interesting. I mean we we ran into well, I, I ran into him. Uh, what was it after game? No, it was at the game seven, right? Game seven against Grant the Tice. Yeah, Tice is in the. He was in the hallway with Grant and catching up with guys. And um, 
um, I, we spoke briefly, just high and by or whatever. But I remember thinking, like, man, like that would be kind of cool if he would somehow end up back on the team. Um, but yeah, clearly the 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 line, the, the connection still there with, with his former teammates for him to go and, and check out Game Seven uh, against Philadelphia. That's what it was against the Sixers. It wasn't it wasn't a Miami Game Seven. It was a Philly Philly Game Seven. Well, that's a good lead into what I wanted to talk about here. Uh, we were playing a dome theory. Became a garden report with some of the news here today. Uh, but of course, you know, I'll have some interview interviews coming to you with people on Fridays now here. We did our group chat edition on Wednesday, Mondays. I'm probably going to be going solo most of the time. So we're going to try to bring you three dome theories a week here in the off season. And of course, uh, on to our conversation today. And I came up with 60, Josue. I don't have clips. I was hoping to run some clips for some of these because there was that a lot was, of great sound. I think you got it all there, man. That's <laughs> I asked the chat too. So Josue and I just finished our you know, second and a half season covering the Celtics together on the ground. That 21 year was weird. I was barely there. I think like the whole first half of the season was on Zoom. Yeah. So last year was yeah. sort of our first. We're proud. Remember that? first trek in the building and you know i think we were up in the halo for most of that year even so this is the first full year on the ground traveling often being there for all these different moments and there were a lot of moments this year and as disappointing as the end of the season was i did want to take some time to go back and look at uh, some fun some disappointing some frustrating as well as some funny moments throughout this season and there were a ton of them i came up with 60 i could probably get to 100 uh, I'll have the rest of you fill them in in the chat here. I also asked the Discord. So let me see this that up as well. I was looking at it earlier. Oh, here it is. So let's run through these. Discord. Uh, let's see. Did they give us anything here? What's up, Discord? I got to check in with those guys. It's been a while. First one I see here, 51. 51 points uh, for Jalen or for Jason Tatum in the game Tatum. seven against Philadelphia. I also threw in the game six, which was – Probably my favorite post game. Just the last, just the last five minutes. Yep. Yeah, the last five <laughs> minutes to turn around, but it was the most incredible uh, turnaround I've ever seen in a game. Uh, a guy going from looking dead, one to ten, I think a half, right, and then he turns around and forces a game seven and another two three comeback for Tatum. More elimination game success for him and the Celtics, which we can complain all we want about them getting into that spot, but they just keep winning games when they're in elimination games. Yeah, yeah, no, no question, man. Like that was just some like some classic, classic stuff right there because the season's on the line. Everyone's watching. No one was giving Tatum the benefit of the doubt, right? Like us, the commentators, <laughs> everyone watching, and then he just completely put the team on his back, man. So yeah, that's. I mean, for me, that one's up there for sure because obviously it goes into Game Seven. And he was in domination mode, and it was just one of those like, man, like this is the signature performance. Jason Taylor's signature performance and what better timing than not only game seven, but then going into the Eastern Conference finals. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we learned a lot about this team, right? The, the, the way that they were able to bounce back, the way they were able to fight, right? After being down 3-0, they, they, they wait and wait and wait until like their back is absolutely against the wall and then they have to react. But that's, that's their character, right? That's who they, that's who they were this year. And that's, I think what we're going to remember most, right? I mean, the good and the bad, you know, the, uh, the, the Tatum going off, but then the Celtics going down 3-0. Celtics coming back from 3-3, you know, Derek White's amazing, historic shot, but all of a sudden it doesn't matter as much because they lost game seven. Like, that's, story, that's sort of the story of the 2022-23 Celtics, unfortunately. That's what we'll remember. The Cornet contest, 
way up there for me. You'll never forget that. Huh? <laughs> well, I'll never forget how it took on a life of its own in, in the national, you know, in land, landscape, right? I feel like it was only going to be a local thing. And once it was like the national talking heads were talking about it, I was like, okay, well, Cornette's arrived. <laughs> he's a he's a positional player, right? He was getting he was getting steady minutes. It wasn't like he was one of those guys that checks in when the when the, when the score is lopsided. So yeah, that was a pretty cool story. I also have the, the ben, bus one boys. That was a big NBC one. They really loved that one, but they made the shirts by the end. Whenever those guys got into a game, by the way, this, and I know people usually stop watching when that happened, the Celtics went on some massive runs with those guys. Pritchard, yeah. Mascala, Hauser, Cornette, and uh, who was Grant was usually out there with them, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember the last game of the season? Uh, Pritchard had a triple-double. Yeah, I yeah. have that on the list as well. He was amazing that night. Those guys are so good. You probably could have put them on the court for a full season and maybe made the 10 seed. It was like a, those guys played together. It was like a, a tryout for Pritchard every single time. I love that about him, man. Like he takes every opportunity like it's his last. And that's the, that's what you're supposed to do in this league. And that's why I'm sure whether it's here or if he finds another home, like it's it's going to be beneficial for him. You know, uh, and what I mean by that is if he does stick around, then my guess is someone like Brogdon or smart i don't know some one of those one of those guys aren't going to be here anymore right i don't i don't see pritchard still on this roster you know with the same depth chart at the guard position right so it'll be interesting to see but yeah yeah bus one boys i'll always remember for for the story and blake griffin and the the, the player that he was in the locker room and blake he, who could he forget gave that you. i was always a fan of the blake signing man i, I just unfortunately the flip side of that is I'll, i'm always going to remember how the they all got dissed man in the postseason you know, I, I hate this. I hated it from the moment it happened. I thought it was cool for game six and seven, but the whole seven man rotation, there's just this team wasn't built for that, you know, and I felt like it, it was a it was it was a, a shot at guys like Blake and, you know, even Sam Hauser all of a sudden got roped in with those guys when he was a rotational guy. Yeah, he's technically a bus one boy, right? He was part of that that crew, that click, but he got steady. He got more steady minutes than all those guys. And all of a sudden he was right at the end of the bench with those with the rest of them, so. The Luke yeah. making the lemon squares is incredible. Is the game where they melted down? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's nuts. right. You know what else I love? I love how their uh, all their lockers are right next to one another. So you knew exactly where they, they were sitting on the table across from all those lockers, and no one was grabbing them. And then Mascala finally came over and grabbed one. It was like, all right. And I was asking him how it was, but yeah, no one, no one would grab the lemon squares after they melted down. I think they were up by twenty eight against the Nets in that game. It's one of those games yeah. this year that made you go, "What is going on with this team?" Yeah, no one was in the mood. I get it. That, that's fine. I would have, I would have grabbed one. I mean, <laughs> if I was a Celtics player, not as a reporter, but I, I'm a, I'm a well, fan. Later in the year, he made some squared. chocolate ones. I think it was like an Oreo kind of deal. Wasn't that after a win? Yeah, I feel like that was a happy day, right? That was a happy. That was after a win, I think. Yeah, happy I think Jared tried one. And he was like, "It was good." I wasn't in there for that, unfortunately. Yeah, they were like, Jared, this aren't for you, bro. I'm just <laughs> the Derek White shot, I mean, come on. Historic stuff. I'm so I'm so frustrated that no one's gonna remember it now. Everyone's gonna say, yeah, but they lost the big one. Like that's that's gonna be the that's gonna be the, the you know punchline. It was the craziest yeah. moment of the year. And being there in Miami, I didn't know what was going on at all because I was still trying to figure out what happened with the free throws. I thought the Celtics were down three. So when White got the putback, I was like, did it bounce up and in? Like, did it kind of bounce out and like jump around and go back in off Smart's hands? But no, they were only down one and they only needed that putback and he got it up and in in time. 
then the whole bench went crazy. I thought they were complaining about a call or something, but they were celebrating. <laughs> no, they were celebrating. See, so you were confused about that. I was confused if they were even going to look at it again because all of a sudden there's a graphic across the screen that says final Celtics, you know, eliminate. I'm like, wait, what? Like, because I'm looking at it like I'm not on I'm the a, screen. On the screen, yeah. You haven't seen it? I, I'll send it to you. There's people were posting it all over. Like, how do you, how can you guys make this graphic? It was like final score, you know, uh, you know, in parentheses, Miami wins series four three or whatever or four two. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I'm, I think he, I think that's good. I wasn't 100 percent sure, but I, I just knew I needed one replay, just one replay to, and I'll be able to tell. And the moment you saw the ball out of his hands was zero point, you know, zero one. You're like, oh, it's good. And then that's when they showed the Celtics players celebrating. But from your video and from guys that were there live, you're really not quite sure, you know, because it's just not a whole lot of transparency until the guy made the PA announcer made the, you know, said that Celtics win, right? Is that what that's what got everyone going crazy? Or at least the Celtics fans that night. Well, the Celtics really, yeah, they were going. Celtics crazy. fans were so loud, man. You could just tell it was like maybe not 50-50, but close to it, just just from the reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to rattle off some other ones. I think also in that series, uh, Horford's hard smack on Grant's backside. <laughs> oh, that's right. The post-game interview. <laughs> and the look on Grant's face when he takes it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good so one. Much, so many Joe ones. Joe versus Gary. I'm thinking of when Gary was like excruciating loss and Joe was like, you love that word, huh? Excruciating. I don't think it's that excruciating. And Joe and Gary's back and forth all year. Really Joe and the whole media, lots of Joe stuff, him going crazy in the pickup games, which led to him injuring his eyes, which we remember from that pregame session, it looked like he had like, I don't know, like pink eye or something. Like yeah. his, his eyes just kept squinting. And later that afternoon, we found out he was out for the game and then he missed the next game. And Damon Stoudemire coached two games. Two, two games, wins, too. I, I didn't think it would be two. Yeah. Yeah um what else did joe do he did a barrel roll in front of marcus in the locker room well he did that uh that what was it the uh the oldest trick in the book that they say you know someone taps your shoulder on the other side he did that to Derek white and then ran off i'll never forget that <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't as publicized because it happened right in front of me but i was just like was that the head coach <laughs> like did he just do that <laughs> but i don't i don't hate that stuff man like that's that's hey let your personality flow i mean that's talking about uh duct tape that's part well. of being a head coach Going to bed. <laughs> What's up? Remember when he uh, said he duct tapes his mouth going to sleep or something so he can breathe oh, through yeah. his nose? It's just the wacky stuff. I remember I was at a shoot-around, and uh, I think it was like 11 a.m. It was a piece of shoot-around, and I see him walking into the locker room, and I'm like, Joe, what are you doing here? He's like, this is when I show up. I'm like, 11 a.m.? He's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> For a 7.30 game, the gum, we all remember the gum, Tatum saying, Joe wasn't out there chewing the shit out of some chewing gum. Chewing the shit out of gum, yeah. <laughs> the timeouts drove everybody crazy. We had the incident in Milwaukee where it was that tough loss at the end. Grant turned the ball over. He was clearly frustrated, and he was out of there. He was heading for the bus right before we were going to his press conference, and we had to, like, chase him down and do an impromptu press conference in the hall. Uh, but the best, to you guys, huh? Yeah, and the best quote all year was when the royal family showed up. They were getting booed. Yeah. And he goes, the only royal family I acknowledge is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, which I think was probably his best quote of the year. I think I said something out loud, like, hey, like something like that, like it was a bar or something. You were there for that? I don't <laughs> yeah, think I was in there. Yeah. I think I was like, hey, or something like that. It just came out naturally. Uh, yeah, I like that. I mean, every every now and then he reminds us of his faith. And um, Yeah, 
hey, it was a heck of a year, man. I mean, obviously the Celtics didn't, uh, you know, it didn't end the way that it was supposed to, or at least that we we anticipated. But you know, Joe, Joe we, we saw the the learning curve, right? I mean, from start to finish, uh, for how this thing whole thing started, I was finding out, you know, days before media day that Joe Mazzulla is going to be the head coach, and then you know, you fast forward to Game Seven, and you know. The fact that the Celtics came back from that 3-0 deficit, and maybe because, you know, in the heat of the moment, I wasn't quite sure ready to say, I was like, look, it's it's a decision that they had to make. But I, I think you would agree with this, Bobby, that, you know, 48 hours removed from game seven, it was kind of like, wait, you got to give Joe another shot here, right? I mean, look, top five or top four, you know, coach of the year and to be put in that situation. A lot of the stuff that Brad Stevens was saying, we knew that already, right? That that transition wasn't easy. But I think what worried us was that how is this team going to respond again to this to this head coach? And, you know, when you look at the way they responded at the end of that Eastern Conference final series, yes, it's not the outcome you wanted, but it's promising, right? I mean, you don't – if you're completely checked out or you don't want to – you know, if, if, if you've checked out on a head coach, you don't respond in that, in that manner, right, the way they did. And – we we didn't talk enough about the rest of the, the, his coaching staff. I mean, we really did. I mean, you know what, Bobby? You actually brought up when they lost Damon Stoudemire. You talked about how, like, man, that could be a big loss. You know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot of pieces there. I mean, I guess that sort of started the conversation. But, man, like, now going into it, you're like, he needs somebody out there, some type of veteran that he can lean on and just sort of not guide him, but just sort of talk him through situations that took him a while to get used to, right? Whether it's the timeout thing or whether it's the – you know, uh, taking on the media and not taking things so personal, not being so defensive. I think all that plays a part into going into second to, to his second year as a, a much improved head coach and someone who's learned from that from that first season. Yeah, Horford, uh, the elite shooter exchange was really funny. Oh, um, man, that's classic. I love the Blake spot starts. You mentioned you broke that. Those are great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going down my list. Here. I have a long list. Grant, there's a couple of Grant moments. Of course, the Batman interview. We had never seen anything like that. And that's the kind of stuff you just... Yo, good question. Sorry to cut you off here, but I don't know if you put this on there. But, like, remember the vase thing? Jalen Brown cutting his hand? Like, we still buying that? That was strange. They made you a shirt. Me, like, the, uh, the end of his career memoir or whatever to find out what really happened. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying that. And then he said, I think... What did he say? It... it it, I forget what word he used, but I said it burst. It burst open in the game where it reopened. I think he said it split open. Yeah, his hand split open. I said it burst open like it exploded. <laughs> I misquoted him that night. You're just a natural thesaurus. That's all it is, man. You know? <laughs> you're a good writer like that. That's what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else Grant, about that too? <laughs> Grant said, I'm going to make both against Cleveland. Not, <laughs> not the best year for Grant. Yeah, yeah. And then he missed both, and they ended up going on to lose the Cavs. A lot of That's really good for Grant, months. though, man. He got he got some thick skin, you know what I mean? Like he's uh, he had to uh, take on he had to I don't know I want to call him embarrassing moments, but you know he was kind of a meme for a little while for a couple of reasons, right? Whether it was that or the whole Jimmy Butler thing, and he responded the Butler thing on there. Eye to eye, nose yeah. to nose. <laughs> you see those guys? That, I don't know if I sent you that picture, but they uh, they were selling those T-shirts outside in Miami of, of, a, of the, the, the nose to nose, like WWE style confrontation between Jimmy Butler and, and Grant Williams. But that didn't that didn't crush him. You know what I mean? That didn't take away his confidence. So that's good. Good for Grant. Similar situation against the Knicks. 
Brown missed a couple free throws. They lost the game, and Joe said, I love you, I think, after. Yep, yep. Which Jimmy and John got a kick out of. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you remember the ball guy sprinting off the court? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, oh, that's my guy, yeah. You know that guy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dude, oh, yeah, man, that was funny. Because that was a nationally televised game, too, so he was he was getting messages from everyone about that. <laughs> Tatum was dying laughing about that, too. On the yeah, he was line. cracking up, that's right. He was sitting on the bench when it because it was, like, towards the end, right? Yeah, do, yeah. Do you remember the Celtics-Nuggets game that got delayed, like, almost an hour because of the net? Yeah, yeah. And, and then it happened again, like, a week later, remember? And yeah, Grandy was like, oh no. And then they just fixed it quickly this time. What is up with Ball Arena? Jeez. Uh, yeah, there's so many, man. Uh, continuing on Joe, there was a weird play on the sideline. They were playing the Pacers. And Neesmith was trying to get the ball. And Joe like fought for him, fought for the ball with him. <laughs> and like they were wrestling for the ball. And I think Abby asked after. And like Joe just kind of like blew it off. Like, yeah, you know, get a, get a fight for the ball. He also had like a, confrontation with i think it was that's what um, i'm thinking of a raptors player yeah he like brushed brushed his shoulder he kind of turned around and was like yo you got a problem yeah. <laughs> i was like jeez was awesome. hold he him back that, he still got that uh that, that the basket yeah backdrop point guard mentality like I am, i'm not taking crap from no one i think that's why he loves Peyton Pritchard so much he reminds him of himself but yeah yeah man he has got a lot of moments here rob yeah he did bend the net Rob also hit a jump shot. Everyone went crazy. I forget who it was against, but it was like his only jump shot all year. No, oh, remember when uh, Blake like dunked twice and people lost it? Like, oh, he's back. He's back. The Hornets game. That was part of those great spot starts. Yeah, yeah. He's not jumping over Ikea, but he can still get up there. Like That was the ongoing joke, I felt like. Even SportsCenter kept showing those highlights. Gallinari was at every game in a suit. I know you like that one. Yeah. Uh, every time he worked out, by the way, we'd get like 10,000 uh, views. <laughs> It'll be good having him back next year if he if he recovers. I, I hope he can be some percentage of himself because he really would have helped this year. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of get the sense that he's not going to have a long leash, right? You know, if if you don't see, uh, you know, some type of consistency by like I don't know, would you say Christmas or so? You know, I feel like it's 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 going to be a tight rotation for or a tight opportunity for him, and Southern will probably look to trade him if uh, if it doesn't pan out. You mentioned Jalen's hand. The mask was a big deal all year. From the yeah, he didn't want to take it off. He was balling. He was balling with it on. He said, I got to stay away from Jason Tatum after the collision. I think it was against Philadelphia. Uh, Tatum, we mentioned his game six. Uh, he had a great leaner over LeBron in that Lakers road game. That was a really fun road trip uh, against the Warriors out there. That was a really bad loss against Golden State. But he hit no, that leaner right. before the overtime. That Saturday game, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, of course, the Latantrum in the home game against the Lakers, which – Again, we're sitting way up in the in the tantrum. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we're sitting way up in the balcony, and we're. I'm like, did 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 Beverly just grab something? And he, he had the camera. I was like, did he just grab someone's camera? And he was down there and got teed up going in overtime. And somehow LeBron didn't. I forgot about the camera part. <laughs> somehow LeBron didn't for like throwing his arms around. I just couldn't believe what LeBron was doing. I was like, look at him. I was uncomfortable. I he swear. Fell on the floor. Didn't just say that like, as a joke. Man. I was like, he's making me uncomfortable. Like he's just like, he was on his knees, Bobby. I was like, what's going on right now? Well, I told him. Like, is he gonna get a tech? Like, is this okay? But. Well, I told Beverly because I was in the locker room hanging out, and he was like, "Oh, I like your outfit or whatever." So I oh, that's right. He did say that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
And I was like, oh, are you ready for Celtics Lakers? He's like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm like, it's going to be fun. He's like, yeah, yeah. But I think going out of it, he would have been like, that was crazy. That yeah. game. That was one of my favorite games all year. Um, yeah, opening I, think he, night, I think he overlooked how crazy it gets. So when Celtics Lakers at TD. I said that about the finals, too. Everyone's like, the rivalry's dead. I was like, just wait. You would have seen. Oh, if there was another chapter in the finals, man, that would have been. Yeah. And we're still missing out. Tonight's game. You were close, too, man. I was like, there's no way. (laughs) Lakers, Celtics, both in the uh, final four. It was so close, just like the bubble. Opening night, this was really the quote of the year. Smart saying he could have cracked and beads open, but he heads open. And Bede's head open, yeah. chose not to after their scuffle. <laughs> that I was opening that. night. I love it. You think back to when uh, remember he pushed him in Philly a couple of years back. And, and Bede a couple of years back saying this is not a rivalry. And then we got the series, you know. Seven-game series. MVP, Joel Embiid. Man. Some announcer stuff. Gorman wore the eye patch. We were in New York. Like, what's, what's going on with that? <laughs> he had a deal with what was it like a last rate eye or something just like yeah. you know, but he actually wore an eye patch on the air i'm like why are they even showing him on tv with this but and then he couldn't travel right because he yeah. can't fly like that so yeah that's how you ended up with perk and scal calling that rockets loss which was like i think that's right Perk was out of breath at the beginning from climbing up to the broadcast booth and <laughs> They just kept talking over each other, and I think they had like a little like beef at certain moments. It was really one of the more uh, baffling broadcasts I've ever seen. But Eddie House was yeah great because too. because Perk ain't gonna take that that Craig ain't gonna take crap from anybody, and I feel like sometimes <laughs> it's, it's Scal got jokes and he's just not in the mood for it. It's funny. Did you like Eddie this year? I thought that was a nice addition to the. I team. liked Eddie. Yeah, I like Eddie House a lot. Um, especially he was when um, at times on them too. Yeah, exactly. He would he would challenge them, question them, and then. Um, when he was at the games too, I thought that was great too. You know, he was trying to offer us some pizza at one point. You remember that? Was he? He's like he was. He had a pizza. He was like trying to pass it to people all over the broadcast, uh, the media section. We we're all like, "Nah, we're good." <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> Coach GPT, that was so funny. That I'll give Nick credit for that segment uh, from the playoffs. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Derek on, White. Too. We mentioned that Milwaukee game earlier in the year. His ear burst. And he had to fly home himself from Milwaukee, and he didn't miss the game. Iron Man, Iron Man for Derek White this year. White was incredible all season. That was remember, remember in Charlotte. Remember what happened in Charlotte? What happened? It looked like it almost looked like a, a concussion type situation. Remember he got he uh, it was a neck. I want to say a strain. Was it a strain? Remember his head, his his uh, the way it jerked back looked really bad, like he hit it. You know, against the floor, and then he yeah. checked out the rest of the game, and then it was a, it was a, well, a day in between, but back to back at Charlotte, and he he played in the matinee. Uh, Martin Luther King. The guy would always be hurt, and he just never went down. And and he I was, was I was certain that that was going to be the the game that he missed, but nope, he played Martin Luther King Day matinee. He just needed that Sunday to rest, and he was ready to go. Did you see um, Taylor's tweet? Uh, our guy Taylor with the Celtics there, Taylor Snow. Which one? He's got some good ones. Oh, the, the um, percentage, right? What was it? Derek White broke Kevin McHale's record for uh, true shooting percentage in the playoffs, 67.1% this year. White was incredible. He's got to start again next year, I think, no matter who's here. Yeah, I think one thing we learned about Derek White is that he's probably, in terms of players that complement Tatum and Brown the, the best, I think he's at the top of the list. And that's not even up for debate, right? 
Um, whether it's the open looks, whether it's just that knack to, you know, not take matters into his own hands, but like read the deep, read opposing defenses and know when to drive and when to when to knock down that shot. I mean, he's he's come a long way with the an entire season with the Celtics team under his belt. Sam Hauser was great all year. I love. I'm a huge Hauser guy, man. I'm 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 not saying the guy would have saved the Celtics, but it would have been nice to see him in that Eastern Conference Finals. You know. Well, he'll be back. His brother's in this draft too, by the way. Imagine they get him. You can sign three two-way guys now. Yeah, that's of course, a, summer league's coming so up. We'll, we'll, we'll take a van, full advantage of that. <laughs> they the have draft to. is 13 days away. We're going to have a lot of coverage coming up here. The season just never stops here in CLNS Media. They got to they gotta, they gotta, they gotta get this pick right, Bobby. You know, not to sound like, uh, not to sound like Xanis, but you've, uh, you've missed a lot <laughs> in the past few years. So um, what I mean by that is I'm not expecting to draft a starter, you know, you know, in, in the second round, but hopefully it's someone that can um, have a future with the, with the organization and, and sooner rather than later. Yep. Oh, another one. Me and you spilling the beans on Max, his, his Jalen Brown take. Never <laughs> oh, yeah. the end of that this year. No, don't bring that up, man. He's just now starting to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I yeah, I'm going to get those moments up on the website. I'm it's, gonna not a, it's not a term Max would use, but as we said, I guess we were dry snitching. Jeez, my bad. <laughs> 100 moments coming this year from the Celtics season. I got a lot of funny ones lined up. I'll get those on the website soon. I actually did have this on my list as well, Joe Sway, the Stromile Swift dunk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Celebrations throughout the year. 